Welcome back to Raising the Bar. We are your hosts, Emily and Dawson. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how society has warped our perception of health. So we're going to be, you know, opening all cans of worms. We're going to be covering lots of different um, topics within this podcast. So sit back and enjoy. It's going to be a good one. Um, Buckle up, kids. We're going on a ride. Oh, yes. (laughs) So um, Dawson, would you like to start us off with... um, kind of like how different diets have come about and how that's impacted us as a society. Oh yeah. We're starting at like the base of the tree here, not the base of the tree, but one of the bases of the tree. Um, honestly, like I've had this, I've had this, like bits and pieces of this conversation with like a multitude of my people over the past few weeks. And honestly, like, I've just been like, it's just been like pumping on my mind. So this is where we're at. So we're just going to like, kind of like let loose here starting off. Again, like you walk into any store, you walk into a bookstore, you walk into Walmart, you walk into your grocery store, you're in line, you see all the magazines, you see all like the loose, like do this to lose this, like do this diet to lose five pounds in the next five weeks. I went keto and I like turned my life around or drink this. I drank this and lost 20 pounds, like X, Y, and Z, like you see it everywhere. Um, Just over time, how our mass media has been able to like take these different like taglines and these different headlines and just pump it into our brains to the point where our entire perception of health is a magazine cover. Our entire perception of health is very warped. Um, like if you have to think here, like a lot of these magazine covers and a lot of these magazine models, they're exactly that, they're models. They are, I promise you, they do, they do not walk around 12 months out of the year with six pack shredded abs. They do not walk around all year at whatever weight they wear in that magazine cover. They don't walk around with that tan or the makeup or the hair. They're a model. And I feel like in our society, like I work with a lot of people in person, especially right now. And a lot of the people that I interact with every day, like they come to me like with this, like that same perception of health that is being promoted in our mass media. And I guess like our the main thing here is just like, our society has completely just like stolen optimal health and like true health from our culture and from our population through just this entire it's like it's a scheme it's a, it's a full-on scheme like that's the best word i can give for it it's just like yeah that's that's where we're going with um so yeah i'm just gonna pop that there because you have to think like 20, 30 years ago, like you heard the word keto, not even 20, 30 years ago, like 10, 15 years ago, like you heard the word keto here and there, people would say, and you'd be like, oh, what's up? Now you walk anywhere, you say the word keto and like you type keto in online and you're going to get 50,000 searches from foods to blogs, to websites, of trainers, to coaches, to blog, like X, Y, and Z. You're going to get everything in their mother with keto. With that, you're also gonna get all these other aspects of don't eat carbs. Like you don't need this to actually live. Carbs aren't essential, so you don't need them. Like all that bullshit. Um, man, it's just like, it's driving the nail deeper because as all these, all this information is being thrown around and all these different taglines are thrown around, all these different perceptions of health are just being shoved down our throats. It's driving people further and further away from like, the idea of what health actually means and what health actually is. One thing you're probably going to hear a lot today, today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, is health looks different for everybody. 
and that's a hill I will die on, is health looks different for everybody. There is not one size, shape, or anything that health fits. However, I will say that there is a range, a general area that health does fall into. When you're on too far of the scale, it's not going to be the best for you. If you're on the other end of the scale, again, too far on that scale, it's not going to be the best thing for you. Um, yeah, I want to take it from there. Let me just keep going here because I'm ripping the bandaid um, off. Yeah. So, well, I guess maybe to introduce that before we rip the bandaid off, like, um, so we could, we could, so something I just kind of thought about was like, I feel like when I was a kid and like probably when you were a kid, like even though like I'm a little bit older not by a whole, a whole lot, but like, I think this would apply to both of us though. But like when we were like, I don't know, think back to when you were like six or seven, um, like, you know, I'm sure like you played outside a lot and I'm just guessing, like, I mean, I was like always at the playground. I was always oh, no, in the same. sandbox, just like running around and stuff when I was like, you know, between like, I don't know, as soon as I could walk until like age eight, like, I don't know, I was always like doing something. Whereas like now I feel like obviously because of the pandemic, it's maybe a little bit more, um, I don't know, like justified to be inside more and stuff, but right, things have changed. Yeah. But even like, you know, right before, even before the pandemic, like, um, I mean, still pretty recent, like a few years ago, like, um, you know, kids nowadays, they're sitting inside playing video games and everything you can do online virtually, like instead of um, going to their friend's house and like, you know, playing outside, they're just sitting on their couch calling their friend or something. So people, um, especially kids, like are becoming a lot less active. Um, and so, you know, I think that's like kind of leading to some, I guess, I don't know, like just kids are, and again, this is not all kids, but um, I guess like that, how, like, how would you, like, if you have a child and they're, um, you're worried about their health, like, I guess, how would you bring that up to them without bringing it up in a way that would like make them self-conscious or have like negative body image issues? Like, how do you raise a child in a healthy environment where they have access to like healthier food options and they're encouraged to do like activities and be active like how do you do that without accidentally setting them up for like eating disorders because you don't want to like say you can never have cake you can't even have cake on your birthday like you don't want to be one of those parents it slaps. like yeah good. um so i think i want to back this up before i answer that and one is going to be like well first off like our activity levels as a population has decreased so drastically in the past like 10 to 20 years it's absolutely stupid with that a bunch of other health negative health um, consequences and health issues have drastically risen there's no coincidence here um i think it's partially well, one before again like before getting into like that end of things we see how more adults are constantly in the mindset they're constantly just making the comments throwing the comments around of like oh i if i eat that like i'll gain weight like if i i, I need to keep my carbs lower my the skills is gonna like blow up on me or like shit like that we hear that shit like all the time. I, you hear it passively, you hear like direct conversations around it, about it. And I think that does trickle down it. Cause kids are listening. Like how, when like you were out there, like you were, li when you were a kid, you were listening to what your parents said. You might like not remember that. And it might've not made sense to you, but like those little, like 
those little phrases and those little conversations, those little snippets, they made an impact on you. They got your mind working. They got like that little, little thought in the back of your head kind of scratching away. So I feel that as like, again, our mass media is promoting like this negative diet culture of always having to lose weight, always having to lose weight, always having to lose weight. And that trickles down into like younger generations. That's where we have like that end of things where kids are instilled with like, oh, I've got to always lose, I've got to lose weight. Like I've got to lose weight because that's what society says. That's like what I need to do to feel accepted. Like I need to be smaller to be accepted by society. So that's that end of the spectrum. I think it's truly a trickle down effect there in some situations. Now it comes to the other end when it is a lack of activity within a child and it is becoming like, more of like a health concern issue. I think it's gonna come down into promoting like more activity. So promoting going outside, promoting like, hey, like, do you wanna come go ride bikes with me? Hey, let's go for a walk around the neighborhood since the sun's out, like X, Y, and Z. Like, hey, like have your friend come over, let's go to the park and let's, let's hit the ball around, like something like that. Or, hey, have your friend over this weekend, we're gonna go for a hike, shit like that. Like. It's a small shit that like the kid is going to want to do it first because hell, like even when I was a kid, like, yeah, I played outside all the time. And I love being outside. I still loved my time when I was inside. I was playing video games with friends. I was on the phone. Like that was always a good time. And I was always reluctant to not do that for a little bit. So just promoting that environment and those activities and bringing their friends along with you. So it's like an environment that they almost feel like they wanted to do in the first place it kind of helps ease that in. Um, another one is gonna be, I think, and it starts, I think this goes for really any family out there. And again, I'm like, don't hold me to this because this isn't everyone. And I'm very, very blanket statement here. Most families, they sit down for dinner at night, whatever's on the table, they're eating. Whatever they sit down and on top plate goes down the shoe. So as parents, just making a bit more like health focused food quality swaps. And just, again, have your cake, have your fun foods, make those cookies on the weekend because you know what? That's the spice of life. Enjoy that. The majority of the time though, just making those little healthy pops in there, like, and just being a bit more conscious of how you're fueling you and your family, I think can go a long way. It also goes into account of like what you keep in the house. When I was younger, I really never had much like, I, I, I say this in like air quotes, like junk food, if you will. I never really had much of that around. It was just never part of my parents' life. And thus it was never really part of mine. Um, Emily, me and Emily were actually talking, I think it was like yesterday or this morning about like cereals. And yeah. when we were younger, I occasionally would get like the cinnamon toast crunch. Occasionally we'd get um, Lucky Charms every once in a while. But majority of the time we had the Chex Mixes. We had the uh, mini wheats, not the frosted mini wheats, not the good ones, just, just the mini wheats and Cheerios. And that's what was like, like to narrow it down, like that's the picture I'm giving you guys. Is that's kind of like how my household grew up, but it goes into the same, it goes into play or no, it ties in, there we go, I can't talk. It ties into whatever environment you put your kids in, as well as yourself, that's gonna directly like have an effect. Um, if you're keeping like not so great foods for you or foods that are really just like a 
advice for you, like keeping those cookies, keeping like always grabbing those little snack foods at the grocery store, odds are you're going to eat them. Odds are you're going to eat them a lot more consistently than might be best for you just because you have them around. So I think making like simple switches like those rather than making it a direct conversation at first and just almost refocusing and re like shifting the environment they're in to better support their own well-being is the best way to go about that. So it's never going to be like an outright like, hey, like I just want to like come talk to you about something. Like, no, it's like you're literally just a subconscious switch around them that they're just going to adapt to because that's that's their way of life. So did that answer that? Yeah, definitely. And like, I also wanted to add, like, I think sometimes it can also be like a generation thing. Cause like, you know, things can be passed down, like, um, like, you know, in bad ways and good ways. But like, you know, I know for me, like my mom told me that when she was a child, like the dessert in her house was most of the time berries or like fruit and things. And that was the dessert in her house. Um, and so like, I guess, back a long time ago when like my parents would make the dinner and I just ate whatever was there. Um, so we had fruit for dessert a lot, like, you know, you know, someone would make like a fruit salad and that was the dessert. And I seriously, I loved it. And, um, sometimes we'd have like, um, like my parents would just put a big bowl of like steamed broccoli on the table and I would just like eat it up. Like I loved like all kinds of vegetables. Um, and, but that's because they were like in my environment from a very young age. Um, so something you're so, used to, something that was always there. Yeah. So like now as an adult, like, and, or even growing up, like my parents never had to tell me to eat my vegetables, never had to tell me to eat my fruits and whole grains because like we always had that in the house. And so I grew up eating it cause it was there and I guess I really liked it. So Um, But like that said, like, even though I grew up eating mostly like Cheerios and grape nuts for the most part, like we still had like fun foods in the house. Like we still had, um, I don't know, like when I was like five, I used to have these things called gogurts. It's like yogurt in a tube. Those, those, those are the shit. Those are the shit. Yes. (laughs) Like my mom. Put those in the freezer for a little bit. So they're a bit thicker. Oh, that's what I was just going to say. My mom would put them in the freezer and then I'd have them like after school um, while I was like doing my homework. Summer. Uh, so amazing. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, we'd have things like that or like ice pops. Like I would get ice cream from like the ice cream truck. I was like, yeah, I was really into that, but, um, it wasn't like an everyday thing though. Like I would say that like, I was raised in like a pretty, like, uh, you know, like healthy balanced environment when it came to food. Um, so I feel very like fortunate because of that. Like I didn't grow up with any, my parents were never like dieters. They've never been severely overweight or like very concerned with their weight. Like, I think I just grew up in like a very good environment when it came to like food and the messages that I was sent because of it. Like, so I'm feel very fortunate, but with that being said, that didn't really prevent me from developing issues because they kind of came from elsewhere um, in the future. But, um, but I do think that, you know, as when you're a parent, like it's still good to still do the best that you can and just, you know, give your kids a wide variety of foods to choose from and just make sure that you have those healthier foods available. So. No, exactly. Like, I like what you mentioned there about how 
you would have like you'd go get to the ice cream truck or you'd have like the go-gurts after school i think that's phenomenal because like it it's like that childhood vibe to it it's even like that just fun vibe because it's like especially as like kids hell even like as you get older you can have the fun shit like go get that ice cream every once in a while go get what you enjoy every once in a while but it's all that mentality of not every day it's a treat for every once in a while the ice cream truck didn't come every single day just gotta throw that out there um but again like as you said as parents you gotta do your best and we don't have much room to say here on parenting because neither of us are parents i'm not glad i don't plan on becoming a parent so don't have much to say there however I think their parents have a lot of influence on their child's environment as well as their own thought processes. So by encouraging more, more well-rounded, more kind of, I don't want to say balanced, but just a more longevity wellness focused environment, if you will, just bear with me here. I think that's the best thing you can do for a child's health. And I think that translates directly into those their older years because they grew up with that foundation. Now, with this, I will say, going back into um, how society has failed, the lack of it, like nutritional edu- the lack of true nutritional education within the primary school system is also where we're lacking here, and that is why it falls back onto the parents in that situation to be this for their children because kids aren't getting this education. Hell, even like some of the courses I've taken, like in college. Isn't giving that giving isn't giving that education. Calorie is not a calorie, but that's that's a, that's a conversation for another time. Um, oof. Without this proper understanding of nutrition, especially growing up, especially like especially in your young adult years, it leaves a lot of a lot of room for error and a lot of windows of opportunity for negative habits, negative mindsets, negative behaviors to grip, take and grip hold. Especially once you get into like high school, especially once you get into like college, when like some people like body image becomes a huge thing. A lot of people experience it. Some people it affects more than others. And the messages our society are promoting of constantly having to diet, constantly having to like do more, eat less, yada, 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 drives this home even more so by promoting that message. And these kids, they start to, kids, young adults, adults, they take hold of this message and they run with it because they see that's what they need to feel good. Like, I, I'm going to feel better when I lose five more pounds. I'm going to lose better. I'm going to feel better when I lose this body fat. Like for some people, like, yeah, like that's a valid concern. However, it becomes a fixation and five pounds doesn't do it anymore. Five more pounds doesn't do it anymore. They always have to lose five more pounds. It's almost like an addiction. And this comes to the point when they're pushing, they start doing more. So that magazine cover said, I do 30 minutes of cardio every day of the week and I lost five pounds. So Susan, for lack of better names, um, goes into 30 minutes of cardio five days a week. She doesn't see the scale much because her diet is not the best. She didn't have the education or that foundation to even touch her diet in this because all she saw was do more cardio. So Susan then goes, well, maybe I need to do more cardio to lose weight. So now Susan's at 35 minutes of cardio five days a week. She goes into the grocery store that Friday. She's another magazine cover that said, I ate this and lost five pounds or whatever in a week. So she picks up the magazine, flips through it and sees that there was this, some people might hate me for this. There was like a green juice in there that she had to order and it was gonna make her lose five pounds. 
So all of a sudden, Susan's now doing, she's now upped it again. So now she's doing 40 minutes of cardio, four days a week, five days a week, sorry. 40 minutes of cardio, five days a week, hasn't lost a single pound yet. She's now spending $60 a month on these green juices that she drinks three days a week. Susan has not seen the scale drop. Now, mind you, on the other end of things, Susan goes out drinking four nights a week with her friends. Susan also goes for a five-course meal twice a week with her husband. And this five-course meal is a variety of meats, cheeses, and even a full cheesecake themselves at the end. I'm very embellishing this a lot, but however you get the picture. How all these magazine covers are promoting all this shit, and it doesn't matter, like, if someone doesn't have that foundation of nutrition and that education on, like, what might be best for them to reach their goal, they're always going to be stuck spinning their gears. Not going to lie, that entire story just kind of hit a dead end there because I just lost my train of thought. However, we're still moving a groove in here. And it still sticks to the point that over time, Susan's going to realize, like, I just need to do more cardio. So eventually, Susan's going to be doing an hour of cardio five days a week. Eventually, Susan's not, like, she's going to get on the end of, I just got to eat less because that'll make me lose weight. So now, again, five days of 60 minutes of cardio. Now she's cutting her calories. She's going to see progress. But then it becomes, again, like that addiction of, like, I see progress on this, so I need to keep doing it. And when she reaches that goal, she's going to try and stop it all. Because that's, again, like, she lost the weight, so why does she need to keep doing this? She stops it all overnight. That skill starts trending back up. She starts feeling a bit puffy. Like, she hasn't changed her eating at all, but she stopped doing the cardio. And now she can't keep the weight off anymore. I digress. Anyway, that's like... You guys see where I'm going here, right? Though is she saw all these headlines and she thought, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. So everything started adding up, adding up, and adding up to where she was doing like this mix of excessive like movement, excessive exercise, trying to lose this weight. But she was also slashing her calories, trying to lose that weight. And she was seeing this slow progress. And the minute she stopped it, because that's all she knows how to do, it immediately bounced back. And then she wake up the next morning being like, I need a diet again. So everything comes right back out of the rip. And then it's a constant cycle. It's a vicious cycle that I feel consumes so many different people in our society. And it drives such a negative idea of what health is because they're always, all these people, they're chasing health. They're chasing like, if I do this, I'm going to feel better. If I do this, I'm going to feel better. However, in the end, like if I was doing five, if I was doing 60 minutes of cardio five days a week and eating that little, like less calories, I wouldn't feel my best. Doing that over a long period of time, just trying to like maintain weight, like, dude, that's not sustainable for anybody. I, I feel bad too, but these people are just stuck in this mindset of they need to stay this way because that's health. Y'all, brain fatigue, like mental fog and like physical fatigue throughout the day, that's not healthy. And a lot of people, I don't think, understand that. They just think it's become the normal because they, the scale says they're healthy. They're doing everything off the magazine covers that says they're right. So why why shouldn't this be not normal? And through all of this, I guess like what comes back to is health doesn't mean you have a six pack. Health isn't exactly a number on the scale. And health isn't exactly how many calories you eat in a day. Health doesn't look the same for everybody. Um, and trying to fit a perfect mold or a perfect picture is setting yourself up for failure across the board. 
And that's something that also is going to tie into how, not going to lie, the body, the body positivity movement also has a play in here. And we're going to get into that next. But again, health doesn't look the same. And people are always trying to like fit this perfect mold. And that's just, it's leading to their own downfall, essentially. That yeah. was very long winded. No problem. Yeah. No, there's a lot to say about this all. So, um, yeah, but I guess so kind of going into the um like the body that body positive Same. movement. Um so I've noticed that it's like become really prevalent especially on TikTok. Um because it's like doesn't give me a brain or so sorry. Yeah, honestly TikTok can be kind of stressful. I don't like to just I try not to mindlessly scroll on it because once you start it's just like a downward spiral. So yeah, but I've noticed it's like very, very prominent on TikTok, like the body positivity movement. Um, and like, I've tried to learn more about it just so I can under, like, so that if I speak on it, I'm like coming from a place of having some knowledge about like what it even means. So according to what I've found, it's kind of, it's meant for people who um, they say who, um, how do they phrase it? Like you reside in, a marginalized body so for people who are um fat disabled i don't know i think that's included i'm not positive um like burn victims um people you know just like in wheelchairs but um if you have a physical ailment yeah people of color um yeah like but they're also including people who are severely like obese and um, they say that, well, your body is perfect and beautiful just the way you are, um, even for people who are like, you know, five or 600 pounds. Um, and they're, I'm just going to say, you cannot be healthy at five or 600 pounds, just like you can't be healthy if you're 60 pounds, you know, as a fully formed adult, I mean. If you're not, if you're, if you're not a child and there and you're under there somewhere, like y'all, like, please. Like you're knocking on death's door at either end of the extreme. Like if it's, oh, yeah. you know, so I think it's a lot to unpack though, because like so many people, like, I mean, yes, like the beauty standard is fucked. Like it really is fucked. However, I don't think it's, I think that like everybody should be treated equally and like with respect. And I think it's really horrible that there is a lot of discrimination and that people are marginalized because of their bodies but oh my God, um, absolutely. like, I think it's really, really terrible. And like, it, it makes me ashamed to even exist in this society that like, this is a problem. And also like people, um, who are like very fat, like they have a hard time finding clothes and that's not okay. And they maybe even have to like pay more because of more fabric required. I think that's like unfair, honestly. Um, sometimes they go places and there's chairs that are not big enough. And um, they say that because of that, society is fat phobic, meaning it's like society is not accommodating. And I do think, I don't think that's something that society as a whole has done on purpose. I just think that like the average person is not 600 pounds. So that's why the average chair is not going to be for a 600 pound person. But the average person is also like the average adult is not is also not like 60 pounds so 
um, things are also not going to be, I guess, accommodating for either end of the spectrum, but I don't think it's because society is just evil. I think it's because those things, it, it's not normal. And people want to say, normalize this, normalize that. Um, and while everybody deserves respect, even if you're not healthy, you still deserve respect and access to medical care um, and to, you know, be treated, you know, nicely. But I just think that um, just being told that like you're fine the way you are and just like not even encouraging people to improve their lifestyle because you're beautiful as you are like I don't know I just I think that there's a lot of things that are wrong with that so no I so I want to touch on that more so um when it comes to the body positivity movement I do believe there's a lot of merit to it in terms of just finding that self-acceptance and that self-love for yourself and just where you're at just no matter who you are, I think is a very powerful thing and a very, something with very good intentions. However, as Emily touched on, as that has kind of morphed a bit into more of your body is perfect the way it is in terms of like being maybe obese in this matter or severely underweight, by driving the message home that these both these two points are okay and healthy and that you shouldn't ever like you shouldn't worry about them is very misleading because again this is not meant to be fat phobic or anything because again like for some individuals it's not exactly their fault or their choice and i understand that and i respect that um i also want to say that just because you are overweight doesn't mean you can't love yourself and that i truly think that like being able to love yourself at that point is a fantastic thing being able to love your body at all at any point in your life and no matter where you fall on the spectrum is phenomenal and a very powerful thing and i think that is fantastic however i will say being at both either of these ends wh whether it is like extremely underweight or even obese and overweight those aren't good places to be for yourself and your body um those aren't meant to be healthy and your body is probably giving you signals that it's not in a good spot right now being like in this case being obese is very very stressful to your body your body isn't meant to carry around a ton of adipose fat tissue it's just not and it's gonna put a lot of stress on your heart your lungs your liver your kidneys really your entire um endocrine system your entire central nervous system and it's just not healthy for you. I, obesity is truly an epidemic in our society. I that's not, I don't, that's the right word, yeah. Um, obesity truly is an epidemic in our society and a lot of the leading causes of death, whether that be heart disease, cardiovascular disease, X, Y, and Z there, that all stems primarily from just being obese and overweight. And our society as a whole, as we have moved towards more palatable, more highly processed foods, but like abundant in abundance. It's cheaper. It's exactly like it's cheaper for people. It's more visually appealing. It's more um, sensory, like that's sat like a sensory satisfaction through the taste, the smell, like the feel, like the endorphin rush from eating it. It's driving into this, and it's truly a problem because it's shortening lifespans. It's passing down like genes that are just not in the best situation because again like the parents weren't in the best spot either 
And again, like this isn't to say that you can't love yourself in this position, because I think you still can. However, I think the best form of self-love is understanding when you need to make a change for your for the betterment of you and your health. For your long-term health and well-being, being able to understand when you need to make a change could maybe like that might mean gaining weight, that might mean losing weight. I think understanding when that is time is the highest form of self-love because you understand like you've driven yourself to a bad point and you're still so accepting of that. And you're still accepting of yourself for where you are, but you are still understanding of like, I love myself and my body where it is. However, I know that if I want to be the best person I can be. I need to change what I'm doing. Um, and again, playing back into like the, how the body positivity movement goes into this of like feeding into like you're perfect the way you are. This can lead into like the mindset of like neglecting some of these signals of like, hey, this isn't okay. It goes back into what I mentioned about like our, our homegirl Susan beforehand, who thought like the brain fog and like that physical mental fatigue was normalized because, you know, everyone else looks this way. So like, this should be okay, right? These individuals who are told that like their body is perfect the way that it is and they don't need to change, all these different like um, red flags become like normalized. So like, the extremely high resting heart rate, the very fast, like short, shallow breaths, the unable to sleep throughout the night because they can't breathe, um, unable to like do certain things throughout their lives without like feeling out of breath and physically exhausted. That's not okay. That's not healthy for you. And it's very dangerous for you. Like it truly is. And the minute like society is trying to almost like normalize that by saying that like, oh, but you don't need to change because your body's perfect the way it is. Like that's yes and no is I guess what I'm trying to say here is there's just more to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've seen, um, I, I've seen like on the, bo- in the body positivity movement, like a lot of people say that like, um, like skinny people have taken over this movement and they're using the hashtags and saying that they're body positive and that it's not meant for skinny people because you know that you're not marginalized so you can't use it and I get that I do get that um, however like I mean I think that anyone should be able to feel good about themselves I, don't, I think I don't think that they should be saying that like I don't know like if you're like if you're thinner you can't also promote feeling positive about your body maybe even if it's not about what it looks like what about just feeling positive about what it can do what it allows you to do and you know like just walk around and like do things and feel healthy things like that. I think what I want to add here, and I think this is going to like kind of tie everything that we both said together, is we need as a society to stop discriminating against people who are different weights. And those who are don't fit that perfect picture, we need to stop discriminating against them and figure out like how can we best support these individuals to get them to a better place. Because again, there is no perfect weight and there is no perfect place to be. But again, health looks different for everybody and health does, it does come at different sizes. However, there's still a range that this falls into. And there's still a generalized area that this does fall into. And discriminating against one side of the spectrum or the other is doing nothing but drive this issue further by, again, like saying one side is not worthy of this, one size can't, can't do this. It's driving home for the point of like this negative self-image. And 
it kind of like all just loops back around into, well, I am, I'm perfect the way I am, so I don't need to change. There comes a point when you do. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but like, what about people who have um, like maybe a, a history with binge eating or, you know, maybe severely restricting themselves, you know, to try to change their body because of being very overweight and because society has made them feel unworthy. Um, and so I feel like a lot of people in that position, um, you know, they may feel like, well, they can't do anything to try to lose some weight in a healthy way because for them, mentally, it's just like triggering. Um, so like what in their case, what can they do so that they don't necessarily have to be, you know, counting macros and tracking their calories and following like a very rigid, um, not like rigid, but like regimented training program. Like what are some things that they can do where it's like, you know, a middle ground so that they can still be improving their health and being, being more active and maybe improving their nutrition, but without being so focused on it, that it would like trigger that, you know, their brain to become yeah. obsessive again. So I want to answer this two ways. And the first off, I'm going to go from like that eating disorder end of things. So if you're still at a point where mentally you are still not in the best spot from an eating disorder or another issue related to that, your primarily goal, primary goal then should be restore that mentality and that mindset to get to a better place mentally before ever worrying about like your health at that point. I truly do think that because again, like as you mentioned, the minute you take if someone's still in that mindset, but then you add that no another layer of, well, you're not healthy, so you got changed. Like, you've got to do this to change your body. That feeds right into it. And that's just driving the problem worse and deeper. That's also where you start getting into, like, orthorexia. Um, so that's where, like, you just really need to be in a sound position and get back into a really solid, sound position mentally and physically even, mainly mentally, before you ever worry about that physical end of things. Um, how like a little backstory on me, like by the time I went through treatment, X, Y, and Z, I was, I think I weighed like 140 at the end of that. And I was not a pretty 140. I like my body did not feel good at nothing felt right. However, I still wasn't in the best mindset. So the minute I felt like, oh, well, I, did, I don't feel right. So I need to like change this. It fed right back into those old behaviors and habits that drove me deeper into that eating disorder. So again, like it took time, it took a lot of mental work, but I was able to get to a sound place and a lot more mentally healthy place where I could recognize like, hey, like this is no longer serving me. Overcame the eating disorder and now I'm able to better shape and better understand what I need to do to be in the best spot for my body. It'll let, like I'm in more sound place. So like tracking macros, like bodybuilding does not bother me it does not trigger me it doesn't do anything negative to me except add to my life it's not taking anything away it's just adding to my life but again that's i my weight yo-yoed like my entire body like my entire body's like function like internal function yo-yoed for a while and it was all because i was trying to rush that rush back into changing things before i had found that like true sound mindset so in that case find that sound mindset heal your mind and then make and then start going toward that other route. Now, when it comes to an individual who might not want to track, just a healthy, a mentally sound individual who just doesn't want to track or doesn't want to do macros, meal plans, like whatever to improve their health, but they still want to like change their health. 
I have two answers here too. One, some people are just going to have to track macros. I'm sorry, but that's just some people, are, that's just what they need. That's just the only way it's going to happen for them. And that's okay. Other people, they might be able to get away with not tracking the macros. Um, hell, I have a client right now who we only track macros three days a week. And she's seeing progress over time. She, is, she has a lot going on in her life. She's very stressed, but that's okay because we're making it work. And she's making it happen for herself. And it's not between like a regimented thing either. So on those days that she doesn't track, she's still pretty, she follows, um, I'm going to rephrase that. The day she does and doesn't track, she eats the same. The only reason we're tracking on those three days is it's multiple days throughout her week. So she's doing kind of different things on those three days. She's working, she's not working, or she's working two jobs. And by tracking those three days, we're still able to understand that we're still in that range of where we want to be to see her progress forward. Um, but while there's other days, she's still eating the sim similar, but she's not being rigid about like weighing, tracking or anything, but she's still staying pretty consistent within the app, like the general average. So I think that's a great tool for some people. Some people might be able to get away with just using kind of like those rough measurements of just, hey, like let's include some more of this. Hey, let's switch this out for maybe this source. So this is gonna serve you a bit better right now. Or kind of like just kind of talking them through like that so they can just make those visual changes. I think that can be a great tool for some people as well. But again, not one size fits all. And this is where having a great coach comes in hand. So you can kind of adapt to the client and what they need in that moment and what's going to help them progress further in a more effective, longevity-focused way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that like, um, so kind of going into, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but like a lot of people, um, if you've never worked with a coach or something like that, like maybe, you know, for most of your life, you've been intuitively eating. Um, if you haven't been, you know, crash dieting or something, but that doesn't really count. Yeah, going back to our homegirl, Susan. Yeah. I mean, also to all the Susans out there who are listening to this, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. not picking on you. I promise. I just, I picked the first name that came to my mind. It's nothing against you. Anyway, Emily, continue. Um, yeah. So it's just like, I feel like you know, most people have been intuitively eating their whole life. And um, that hasn't really worked out very well for some people. Um, and so because of that, um, you know, when you're just starting out with a coach, like, you know, either one of us or, you know, most coaches, um, you know, where we might not have you just eat intuitively and not have any guidelines or recommendations right off the bat. Um, you know what I mean? So, I mean, for what I usually do is I just have people, um, you know, track what they're eating for a couple of weeks. And I say, don't worry about changing anything. Um, just, you know, just track what you're eating. Um, and through that tracking process, um, I also teach them how to track more accurately. And right there, you, you know, you have that like learning experience for a few weeks. And then we kind of assess from there and see like, whereabout is their maintenance? Um, and then, you know, kind of start adjusting the macros a little bit and um, shifting things around, you know, little by little. And so um, with that, I think some people, uh, you know, when I see what they're eating, sometimes it's like so different day to day. Um, and so I'll have to, you know, average everything they have in a week and then it'll be similar, you know, week to week, but there's a lot of sporadic stuff. Um, they're not consistent with their meals and stuff. And so I think that's where also having a good coach can help because we'll help you to normalize your eating patterns as well. And that right there can help so much, even if you don't change anything about what you're eating, just having a normal eating pattern 
in the day of just like your meals um, that can really help help a lot. So the amount of people who I have had just switch around, like spread their meals throughout the day or just spread their nutrition throughout the day a bit more evenly. The amount of people that I have had immediately report they feel more alive is astronomical. And it makes me very scared for everyone else out there who has not done that yet. I promise, like, so I think one of our one of our friends said on their podcast the other day how over the holidays she kind of ate just more like just more intuitively, quote unquote, also just kind of like what was around. And she felt fully the entire day off of like one little snack. And she didn't want to eat because she felt full. Because the food quality wasn't exactly 110%. So taking that realization and applying that across the board and understanding this is how a lot of individuals are eating, it explains why a lot of individuals chronically under eat without under realizing. And this is where it's become normalized in our society to eat less and just eating isn't exactly an important thing. I'm not saying in like a bad way and a, a disordered way, but like in terms of you talk to your average person on the street and they probably eat two meals a day. You talk to your average person that like average person at the gym, they probably eat two or once or twice a day. So because they don't feel hungry. And this is where I do have a little bit of a problem with intuitive eating. And as I'm you said before, like if you've been intuitive eating eating for all this time, how's that working out for you? Some cases I begged and I I'd put, I'd wager it's not doing the best thing for you right now. And this, again, it comes into some people can get away with it. And that's phenomenal. And I love that for you. Some people, it just doesn't work out that well. And that's okay. And it can be for a variety of reasons. It could be the mindset behind it. And that's okay. Others, they just don't feel hungry. And that's also okay. It's not normal, but it's, it's, it's okay. And I understand. When it comes to intuitive eating, in an ideal world, it would come when you're also well balanced and very well situated with your other variables and other like biofeedback. So like your sleep, your energy levels and mood throughout the day, your stress levels are pretty low. Like you have a nice walk in the morning. You have a workout sometimes like a few days a week. In an ideal situation, you could intuitively eat there with the proper like understanding of like, hey, like throughout the day, I need to make sure I'm getting a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You can intuitively eat there, sure. However, for a large portion of individuals, our hunger hormones, leptin and ghrelin, good old, good old, good old boys there, they're either not, they're not at the table at all, or they're completely in the tank. They're in the basement. And this is why some people just don't feel hungry throughout the day, or they feel full off after one meal. Their hunger cues are literally jacked. Their hunger hormones, so those internal systems in our body, they're jacked. And now they're not broken. They've just adapted to the way you've been eating. This goes into the same ideology of like your body's smart. So like respect your hunger cues. Like your body's smart. So it's understanding what it's doing. When people say your body is smart, they're not meaning it in that way. When people say your body is smart, they're meaning it. It means that your body is going to adapt to whatever you put at it. So if I'm eating once or twice a day and that's it, but I've got to like stretch that energy throughout the entire day of my day, my body's going to adapt to that. So my metabolism is going to slow down to account for that lower energy intake. My body is also going to downregulate my hunger hormones because if I'm not going to be eating for till the end of the day, why do I need to feel hungry? That's just going to create an issue. 
or at least that's what my body thinks. So yeah, your body is smart, but it's not, it's not smart in the way that some people believe it is. Now yeah. with that, I will also say, sorry, one last little bit there. Okay. Your body is extremely smart and it's extremely resilient in some cases. So the minute you kind of start implementing those different habits and those different factors back in, so eating three to four meals a day, getting proper sleep at night, managing those overall stress levels, those hunger hormones, they're going to gradually come back over time. And you might go from a place where intuitively eating means two meals a day after like working on it. And maybe even working with a coach for a time, how like a year and a half later, or how even a few months later, sometimes you might be able to intuitively eat four times a day with no issue. Again, it's very person dependent. And it just depends on how long you were in the place beforehand before trying to like make that switch. So again, going back to why the intuitive eating platform can be kind of misleading as well is some people, it just doesn't work for them right now. Because again, like nothing else is accounted for in this. And they're just kind of going off on a limb of, well, I'm not hungry. So why should I eat? If you haven't eaten in nine hours, Susan, you probably need to eat. I promise you like that brain fog. You don't need that Red Bull. You don't need that energy drink. You don't need that cup of coffee at 3 PM. You need a solid meal. I would be so hungry, honestly, like for me, like, like for me, like, I don't know any time that I've gone a while without eating, like, I just get so hungry. Like, I'm just like, you know, so, um, I don't know, like for me, I've never been in a situation where my body like adapted in the sense of, I didn't have hunger cues. Um, I think like everybody is a little bit different, like responds a little bit differently, um, yeah, no, like I'm, I'm someone, I haven't yeah. had hunger, I haven't had hunger cues in like years fully. I'll go into that after, but continue. Yeah. Um, but like when I used to struggle with an eating disorder, I was always hungry. Um, but again, that's because my body probably adapted to what my behaviors were, which was literally always eating enormous amounts. So obviously my body adapted because then when I, you know, maybe had a day where I was trying to not do that and better myself, my body was still expecting me to do that. And it was like, Hey, where's those 10, where's the 10,000 calorie meal. And like, I'm serious. Like I exactly though. That on a regular basis, but, and multiple times a day, might I add, but, um, now thinking about that because I'm healthy and I don't do that to myself anymore. The thought of that sounds absolutely horrifying and I can't imagine, but like, again, like if you do something regularly, whatever it may be, like your body adapts to it and it expects it. So your cute, your hunger or fullness cues are going to kind of follow in that direction. Yep. So in my case here, how I just mentioned how I haven't had hunger, like a true hunger signal in a hot minute. That was partially a lie. Every once in a while, I'll get like real hungry, especially at work, just real hungry. But that's very rare. Most of the time, my, like I know that I'm, I'm hungry because my brain, like my cognition shits the bed, like fully, like my brain will like instantly just like shut off. Not like a bad way, but like my, like my entire just face feels heavy. And like, you know, that mental like block you get, I'm just like, I literally just can't think right now. That's why I know like I'm, I need food. Um. So that's like how I've recently I've understood better that like my hunger hormones are starting to kind of jump back into place is I've been able to like make that connection. Again, like I have recently started to like feel hungry at work when I like have this long stretch without being able to like sit down with a meal. 
But again, this is a prime example of why intuitively eating for me just might not work the best. Hell, for Christmas, like I had a free day with, so I didn't track all day. Even despite that, though, like I know the general same times I personally would sit down to eat one of my meals. And I still follow that same schedule because I knew otherwise I wouldn't do it. Um, hell, even like Thanksgiving, like I, if I didn't hold myself to like the accountability, like, hey, hey kid, like you need to eat by like, you need to eat meal two by one o'clock or else you're not going to be having a good time anymore. Like I need to hold myself to that right now. And is that a thing that's going to last forever? No, probably not. However, right now, I mean, granted, like I am, like I'm a bodybuilder, like I'm have goals, so I'm gonna be tracking macros for the foreseeable future, no problem. However, if that wasn't my goals, still tracking my macros and having that like set meal timing would be very beneficial to help upregulate those hunger signalings again. So then I could be in a better place down the road to intuitively eat in a more healthy manner. Yeah, this is also where, again, you see in society saying like intermittent fasting is like great for you. And like the one meal day diets and shit like that, like y'all, for some people, sure. For some people, it might work. Fantastic. Even for intermittent fasting, it does have a time and a place in some situations. However, generally speaking, the general population does not need to intermittent fast. And please tell me you're not doing a one meal day. We've talked about this before, so we're not going to get into it here, but y'all, please don't. If you're listening to this, you're probably not someone who should be intermittent fasting or doing one yeah. like just don't yeah, go down that path it's even it's if you guys aren't a bodybuilder like if you're just wanting to like be healthy and just be the best person you can be don't there's much more important things to focus on oh like God. food quality sleep stress management um more protein fruit. yeah more protein most people like really don't eat enough protein or they're cramming it into like maybe their last meal, like their dinner, but then, you know, for breakfast, they have, you know, like a banana and maybe some toast with peanut butter. And then for lunch, they have, you know, a salad with like a sprinkling of some protein source. And then for dinner, they have like a huge bowl of like spaghetti with um, some, uh, some other protein source. And then peanut butter and sesame, peanut butter and sunflower seeds are not protein. Yeah. Again, we've had this conversation before. So go, go listen to our protein episode, boys. A lot of people are shocked when they track, you know, their nutrition and they see how little protein they're getting, even if their calories are fine. Like even if they're getting well above 2000 calories, but, um, they're, you know, like getting like 40 grams of protein. Like most people are shocked when they see that because they're like, but I feel like I'm eating enough. And it's like calorie wise. Yeah. But what about, yeah. Like they're just, it's almost like they're trying to substitute protein for more carbs and carbs are great, but like you need, you need that protein also. So that's why, um, you know, tracking, you know, protein, if you're going to track something, track your protein, like it's really important and space it out too. Like if you have, you know, a certain amount of protein in a day and you want to have three meals divided by three, aim for that. If you have four meals divided by four, aim for that. It's really not that, uh, complicated. So, and it'll keep you, you know, your appetite pretty stable throughout the day and it'll keep your meals, you know, well-rounded. So there's really no downside to it. Um, some people struggle with that because they're like, how do I get in 30, 40 grams of protein in a meal? Um, and obviously, yes, you can research that yourself and experiment, but like having a coach, like to help you, you know, give you some meal ideas, um, 
that can be really beneficial for a lot of people who kind of just don't really know where to start. One side note here. So, okay. Generally speaking, a hundred grams of, 100 grams about any meat source is going to be well, like 30, 35 grams of protein. So don't even, for any of you omnivores out there, don't. Like y'all, you, you, I know you can't, don't worry. It's not that much. Um, anyway, even like on the vegan end, like TVP, tofu and tempeh, you, you can get a solid amount of protein out of those in a very what, relatively small volume. So I promise y'all like eating a bit more is not going to hurt. And honestly, honestly, if you're going to do one single change throughout your entire diet to boost your overall health, up your protein intake. And I promise you, if you're doing any type of exercise coupled with that, any type of resistance training, especially coupled with that increased protein intake, you're going to notice a change. I won't put money on that. Oh yeah, totally. Um, so what about people who are like, Oh my gosh, I'm so full. I can't take another bite, but then it's like, okay, but what else is on your plate? A lot of people in that situation, they're like loading up on, on like veggies and like veggies are great, but you don't need to be eating like 500 grams of salad and broccoli. Um, and I'm saying that because I used to do that at one point. Um, <laughs> so you know what, like, and, and yeah, so you don't, like, that yeah. So it's like, you know, again, like, have a, have a normal amount of veggies. You don't need to like, you know, just be cramming them on your plate, you know, like have some veggies, have su- have a good amount of protein, have, have a good amount of carbs and a little bit of fats. And, you know, that's kind of how you build a meal, but make sure that you have that protein. Absolutely. Well, that apps like y'all just have a solid source of each thing in your meal and then fill like add to it. Then. That's how you make a meal. Tying back into things, how our society's almost made a lot of individuals fear calorically dense food. Because as, again, going back into how everyone's pushing diet, 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 it's also pushing like, you're gonna have to eat less. So here's some higher volume ideas. And this ties directly back into, if you're trying to shoot for this higher volume by constantly loading up on all these things, of course, you're not gonna feel fucking hungry. That's the point of these different things. So don't be scared of making these swaps for a little bit more de- like calorically dense foods to allow you to get in some more. I promise you, you're not, you're not gonna go like ravenous. You're still gonna be full. You're still gonna get that food in yeah, and you're not gonna like still be starving afterwards. I truly think as again going back to how everyone's pushing diet 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 and i see this a lot i'm not gonna lie in a lot of the mainstream like vegan areas how all this push for veggies and all these push for higher volume shit is just going like y'all no oil there's a time and a place for it okay oil is not bad for you oil is not bad for you again like extra virgin olive oil avocado oil um sesame oil toasted sesame oil oil goes a long way i'm not gonna lie coconut oil like those those three bad boys right there coconut olive oil and um macadamia nut oil i've never had it but i'd love to try it it sounds delicious so that and avocado oil those four those go a long way always make sure to like shoot for organic not gonna lie as well as shoot for a darkened glass bottle we'll go into that in like a different episode but shoot for those and those truly do go a long way and they're not bad for 
And we're not saying to like dump it on your food. Don't dump it. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I measure it out and you measure it out, but it's yeah. like, um, but even if you don't, again, like moderation and it's going to make sprinkle your food. Of- yeah, it's going to make your food be more satisfying and taste better. So, you know, and if you're someone who like, you know, struggles to eat your veggies, um, like if you're someone who is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, you hate vegetables, sometimes cooking them with a little, just a little bit of oil makes them delicious and much more palatable. So if you're someone who's convinced yourself that you hate oil, try putting a little bit on your veggies and, you know, varying how you cook them and um, just experiment, you know, like you may find that there's a lot of vegetables you really like if you just cook them in a different way. I think this ties back into the sphere of oil ties back into the always having to eat less because yes, oil is a bit more calorically dense. So it's going to take up a bit of calories and a bit of macros. I'm not going to lie. However, it does cut down on the total overall volume of food you have to eat throughout the day, as well as you're going to probably be long-term, you probably need to eat more than you are doing now. So having oil in there is not going to be the end of the world. It's not going to tip the iceberg on you. I like, I'll fully admit like a majority of people need to be eating a lot more than they will, as I said, and the sphere of oils come from individuals almost having the mindset of, I have 12, I have 1200 calories today and oil takes up a bit more of that than I'd like it to. So I'm not going to eat it. And I think it's bad food because it has nothing else to it because it's so small. And again, I think that has validity to it. However, I think the demonization of it is wrongly put because again, if you're eating 1200 calories a day, one, that's an issue. And you have room for oil in your diet. I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to leave that there before I go on a tangent. Yeah. Oil is not bad. Yeah. I mean, I guess some people argue, they say, well, like it doesn't have any fiber and it's like a refined food. Um, Not the shit you're eating it doesn't have fiber and is refined food. So if oil is your tipping point, then we have another conversation to have. I know. Like that doesn't make something bad. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You know? And like most people, the average person, like if you look at what they're eating, like, yeah. Oil is the least of your issues. Yes, exactly. And like, if you look at their just entire lifestyle, like their sleep, their exercise, like, and you're, and they're choosing to hyper fixate on oil, like really, that's, that's not that's that focus is really not going to do much for you. You're better off, you know, not obsessing over like a single food, maybe including it and just trying to overall have a better, healthier lifestyle. It's oil is not bad. So and this also ties back into how our education system has failed to properly set us up for our future in terms of nutrition and health because they haven't given us the tools necessary to like truly succeed in this area. Anyway. um, (laughs) Yeah. Don't cut like, Again, is there a time and a place that oil probably doesn't have a place? Absolutely. Is there maybe better sources of fat that other than oil? Yeah, sure. Like whole avocado. Absolutely. Like shit like that, of course. However, when it comes to adding just more caloric volume, caloric density, sorry, to your overall meals to reduce food volume, oil is extremely helpful and extremely beneficial even. Yeah. Anyway, I digress there. Uh, let's get on keto. I just, I'm just going to jump on this train real fast. Yeah. Guys, carbs are good for you. I've talked about, we've talked about this before. Carbs are okay. Carbs are not the demon. And you should probably be eating more of them. 
if you have any performance or physique goals, you probably want to be eating carbs because that's going to be helping you with your training session. Like, you know, we literally drink carbs during a training <laughs> session. So we obviously, we obviously have strong feelings about how good carbs are and how carbs are our friend. That's the vehicle to our goals. So a lot of people make carbs out to be the enemy, but actually it's the vehicle to your goals. So, but I understand it's hard to switch your mindset when everything you've ever been taught is carbs are bad and it's in the media, it's everywhere, it's in your face. Um, I, I totally understand. It's really, really confusing because there's so many mixed messages here. And it's like, what do I believe? And, you know, Dr. Oz is telling you, you can't, <laughs> you can't have bread and like all these things. This man has given me so, so many. He's giving us I have a business. lot of feelings. Like he's giving us business though, because the people, I mean, again, in a, in a You're bad way. But in a bad way, but it's people like him that are messing people up. And then they realize, holy shit, I can't live my life like this. So they hire a coach. Hopefully that's who they hire, not some, you know, person who doesn't know what they're talking about. But, you know, it's really unfortunate. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm glad that there's coaches out there like us who actually, you know, are trying to set people on the right path so that they don't have to live live like this that's no way to live avoiding carbs like are you kidding me like bread is amazing no exactly and i again i will say like as with anything low carbs lower carb diets do have a time with place like a lot of um some gut there is some gut issues or even some autoimmunity issues that lower carb diets is going to be the best route there i will yeah. fully say that. however for the general population you might not need 600 grams of carbs like some of us but having upwards of like 200 to 250 even is going to do you honestly, like it might do you a bit more good than harm. Um, carbs are essentially our body's readily, most readily available and preferred source of fuel and energy. So if we can have those consistently placed throughout our day to help just fuel our overall function and brain power, we're going to be a much more productive, much more mentally focused, much more present and aware person than if we were to not. Um, again, with this, with everything, we also want to focus on food quality here. So when we say eat your carbs, don't go to town and bag gummy bears as your sole carb source. I love me some gummy bears. However, guys, let's be reasonable here. This is where your grains, your breads, all that fun shit. That's where this has a time to place. This is also where veggies and fruit, don't neglect your fucking fruit, comes in fiber. a time place. Fiber. Fiber. Food, fiber. Micro okay, so I'm also going to come in here with this because I get this question a lot. Is fruit sugar bad for you? No, it is not. If you're eating an excessive amount of fruit, that's where we, again, that's another conversation then. However, for the majority of us, we need to eat more fruit. Again, not only the fiber, but also the vitamin, mineral, just micronutrient density within these different foods is gonna be so much more beneficial from us to us. And I've, you have to think like this, when we're looking at something like a processed white sugar versus a, an apple, think of how, so processed white sugar is processed, it's refined, it's refined down to these little white grains of just pure glucose. This apple on the other hand, it is full of micro minerals. It's full of all these vitamins, it's vitamin C, all these frigid juices, just 
it's made of good shit. So when it comes to like, which one's better, the apple, yeah, it has sugar in it, but it's giving you so much more bang for your buck here that there's so many other things in it that is just so much more beneficial. That white sugar that you're eating, that's going to hit your bloodstream like that, and it's going to just spike your insulin. Um, yeah, there's a time and place for it. However, you just don't want to be eating spoonfuls of it. Yeah, did I cover that, or did I just kind of like rant there? No, that was good. That was really good. Yeah. because. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think, though, there's okay. there's definitely a time and place, though, like you said, for, um, you know, more of the simple sugars that don't have, you know, that fiber attached to them like you would with your fruits and grains and stuff. So, like, for example, intra-workout carbs, like you're literally, you know, it's juice or like a carb, uh, like Straight a carb powder. powder. You know, so I mean, like, yeah, I guess that would kind of be the equivalent of table sugar in just a different form, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, again, like we want that though on, like we're having that on purpose. It serves a purpose. Yeah. For the training session, but like, you know, on rest days, we're not drinking our intra workout while we're like, you know, sitting on the, you know, sitting around or going about our lives. Like we don't need intra during check-ins. (laughs) yeah like we don't need that like we're fueling the the what we're doing the activity like if there's the activity isn't there like that's why our macros are different on rest days we don't need quite as many carbs does that mean we take the carbs away completely no but um we're just not having what we would need to fuel a very intense training session yeah carbs aren't your enemy kids and again like as with everything quality is truly what matters and is what's going to take it furthest when it comes to carbs. Just don't feel, don't fear carbs. Just be mindful where they're coming from. And that goes with anything though. So. Yeah. So I think, is that everything we wanted to talk about today? Do we have anything else? I, let's see here. Three, three seconds here, y'all. Got to shit back up. Should we talk about toning a muscle? Because a lot of people, they say, oh, like, I'm just like, okay, I'm not trying to make fun of you guys who say this because I understand it's coming from a place of like lack of understanding. So this is why no, we're exactly, talking about it. Exactly. So we're exactly, not making exactly, exactly. fun of you. Like, we're not making fun of you. We're not saying you're stupid. We're just here to provide you with information that you can take and benefit from. So just wanted to put that out there. We're not laughing. We're not blaming you or like blasting you. We're blasting the source you heard it from. So this isn't your fault. Yes. Don't, Don't take, take offense. Yeah. So a lot of people, they'll say like, oh, I just want to, um, you know, tone whatever, you know, my arms or my legs, but I don't want to gain weight and I don't want to get bigger. Like I saw somebody say, they didn't say it to me, but I heard someone say it to someone else that they want to tone without gaining any muscle. Um. And huh, they say they want to, yeah, I'm thinking like, wait, so what are you talking about toning? Do you want to tone your bones? Like what? Like you have to, I don't think people understand that when they are saying that what they really mean is that they want to gain muscle and then lose fat so that you can see that muscle. Um, and most people don't have as much muscle as they think. Um, and so that's why building that muscle is really important to create that physique that you desire, not to mention the health benefits that go along with it. And the, um, the fact, you know, the longevity and all of these things, like it's really good for you, but if you're just wanting that physique, um, you, you have to go through periods of building that muscle and actually gaining weight 
Um, and then, you know, maybe some fat loss phases thrown in there, but you don't have as much muscle as you think, because I'm telling you right now, like I've done two cuts. And when I started the, started both of them, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm jacked. I'm going to be so ripped and like, so muscular by the end of this thing, like, let's do it. And then I get to the end of the cut and I am tiny. The, I like have nothing there. Well, okay. Like, yes, I did build muscle before the cuts for sure. I did, but I thought I had so much more muscle than I really did. And so I think that you should have to really, I don't want to say like earn the right to be able to do a cut, but like, you know, it's important to get your metabolism in a really good place. So, you know, metabolically speaking, only pull from so much. Yes. Like I don't want to start someone, you know, cutting on 1700 calories, like no way, because, you know, pretty soon we're going to be down to like, you know, a thousand and, um, I'm not okay with putting someone on a cut with a thousand calories. That's not cool. That's irresponsible. So, you know, if that's where we're at, like, I'm going to say we need to reverse diet and get your calories to a much better place and get your training intensity, you know, starting to improve there. Um, you know, and like, we'll go from there, but we really don't have anywhere to go if your calories are all the way down here. So that's really important to address. Um, and yeah, so, but with that being said, like you can still build muscle as you're reverse dieting, even if you, you know, like if you're someone, especially who's like pretty new to lifting weights, like you're probably going to experience some tremendous body recomposition. So you're going to, you might even lose some fat in your reverse and gain some muscle, but I'm talking over the long term. Like if you have a substantial amount of muscle that you want to gain, you really need to put in the time and go through building phases. Yes, 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 yes. With that, you can't eat specific foods that quote unquote tone your muscles. You can't do a specific workout. To t okay, so I heard this the other day and I still am trying to comprehend it. I need to lift lighter weights that have, uh, I need to lift lighter weights with more reps so I can, bear with me, so I can help define my long muscles. Again, I'm not blaming the person who said this because again, they were misinformed and this is not their fault. I'm blaming the person who originally somewhere in space put this out there on a platform. I don't know where to begin there. Um, one year, okay. Going back to like, you can't, once someone says they want to tone a muscle, I, or if you like, that's you listening to this, you want to tone your muscles. I want you to grab a piece of paper right now and write out what tone means. I want you to write out like what toning your muscles, what does that mean? What does tone mean? I think most people will say have visible definition. And so- Have that fit athletic look, right? Lift heavy. <laughs> you know? Literally, like you're gonna have to to achieve that fit and athletic look that you I think you truly do want. You're gonna have to probably go through at least just at least one just phase of focusing on just getting stronger. Now I'm not saying go into the gym, train like a bodybuilder. Do I think some people would benefit that from that? Absolutely. But I think honestly, just going into the gym generally, doing three sets of how many reps of 
general movements across the board, I think that does have benefit for a lot of individuals who that's all they have did all they have the intention of wanting to do is just get fit, just look better. If that's your only attention and you don't want to go in the gym at all, like just doing the simple basic shit like that is going to get you a long way on top of like upping your protein. But again, we already talked about that. Um, now, is that something that I would personally do or something I would have my clients do? No, it is not. However, again, that would serve a different purpose for you. And that's okay. Again, I, I love that for you. And I wish you all the best with that. And if you need my guidance, please let me know. And we'll work with that for you because I want the, we want the best for you. and We want to help you achieve your goals. So if that's going to be the best thing for you to do that, we're going to work with that. Um, but again, don't, don't do this light lifting lightweight for long reps bullshit. Like lift some heavy stuff that like challenges you, like put your body through some, exert yourself a little bit. I promise you it's not, it's not only going to help with your physique. It's going to help with your metabolism. It's going to help with your mental state. It's going to help with your mental cognition. It's going to help with your body's internal functioning. Even It's not a bad thing for you. I think honestly, like just to pull all this back together to the other root of this, the first root was how society has failed us and how mass media has completely botched the idea of health. The other end of the spectrum, the other foundational point I honestly want to leave on here is don't fear growth. Don't fear getting stronger. Don't feel growing just across the board. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be something that you're completely, completely not used to and probably have never even wanted to do. However, nine times out of 10, I can promise you going through a point, just a period of growth, whether that is with your physique, whether that is with your diet, whether that is like just something you're doing on the side, going through a point of deliberately trying to grow and better that through whatever means is best, it's going to be nothing but beneficial for you in the long run. Again, you might not want to be strong in the gym. You might not want to be like a jack, like bodybuilder, like we do, like we want to be. That's okay. That is 100% okay. However, I promise you, getting into the gym and just doing something in terms of resistance training, eating a bit more than you're used to with that protein in there, it's going to be nothing but beneficial for you in the long term. I can promise you that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like as coaches, like we're just here to work with you. We'll take like where you're at right now and we'll build on it. And, you know, we aren't necessarily saying that you have to go in the same direction as someone who wants to be a competitive bodybuilder. Uh We're not saying like you have to. However, if you want to, let me know. Yeah, of course. Of course. Like, but it just not everybody has that same goal and they're not as like intense about it. Um, And like, I totally understand that. Um, And so, you know, I'm like very happy and open to working with people who are a little bit less intense about it, but like they're committed they want to better themselves. They want to get better in the gym. Um, you know, whether that's getting stronger, changing their physique, a mixture of both. Like I, I want to help people work on, you know, what their goals are. Um, and if they have goals of competing in the future, like I'm not exactly at the point where I feel comfortable, like prepping someone, you know what I mean? Or like, like, um, working with like an enhanced athlete, like I'm definitely not at that point yet. Um, but I do feel that like, if someone came to me and they said like, Hey, I maybe want to compete in like several years. Um, but I just don't think I have the right amount of like 
muscularity, can you at least help me to build that foundation so that eventually when I'm in a place to, you know, start um, prepping, um, hopefully by then I will also have the experience and the knowledge to help somebody with that. But if they are just right now wanting to focus on building more, just being more muscular. You want to grow, like, let's go. Like, let's just, let's yeah. go. Like, if you're just interested in getting jacked, like, we're your people. Like, we know how to help you with um, well, all kinds of things, but like, you know, building muscle, changing your physique um, and just feeling better, honestly, getting stronger and healthier. Like, I mean, that's definitely like my biggest passion. Like I would say I'm a little bit more passionate about like lifestyle athletes than working with um, competitors. However, I've never worked with a competitor or an aspiring competitor. So I think it's just because that's not something I've ever done before, but I really, really want to once I have the knowledge and experience. Um, but yeah, so just like clients, um, or, you know, athletes that we work with, like they're in on, you know, a journey to improving themselves and growing with what they're doing. Like, as coaches behind the scenes, like we both are constantly learning and updating our knowledge um, so that we can serve a variety of athletes, you know, currently and or in the future. So, yeah. No, exactly. Like, as you mentioned, we're here to help you achieve whatever the fuck it is that you want to do with your body and your health, whether that is just like building a better knowledge of like food and nutrition and how to better fuel yourself just for your daily life right now. Let's do it. If you do just, you want to compete in the future and you just want to grow, like let's, let's go. Like, let's just, let's go for it. Um, if you have health, maybe like a health issue or concern that you're just like, Hey, I need some guidance through this right now from a lifestyle and nutritional end of things. We got your back. Like that's what we do. And I, when you come coaching with us, you're not forced into like a whole of like, you have to be doing this specifically. It's more of like, come as you are and let's see how we can best fit to grow together. Yeah, exactly. It's good to have that individuality. Like we're not out here giving people like cookie cutter protocols where yeah. like literally every single client's thing like looks exactly the same like that's really sketchy <laughs> like if you oh God, yeah. if literally every single client has the exact same training program or even macros like I don't even know that's why buying a macro plan off of like a web like off of like a magazine or like a like a generic generic website it's probably gonna be bullshit I'm not gonna lie you might get some benefit out of it because it's gonna be a bit more structured for you but generally speaking like you're gonna want someone who kind of knows you for you yeah like as coaches we're obviously applying what we know but we're also like learning about your body specifically that's why we have you track like you know biofeedback and just different things like sometimes blood glucose, not always, but sometimes that some, you know, like, um, like weight, even just like your hunger, stress, energy, mood. Heart rate. That's a good one. I actually haven't had anyone track that before. I've actually never tracked mine. Do you I haven't track tracked mine yet, but I want to solely to see kind of like where I'm at there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I know that is something that a lot of people do track. Um, it's just not something I've ever done oh, myself, yeah. but yeah, there's definitely like a big benefit to that as well. Um, yeah, again, it has a time and place, like everything. Yeah. The context is important. So context is king. Yep. 
So um, is that everything or do we have more? I think we went a little bit over an hour, but that's okay. That's, It'll that's fine. I'll, we'll fight whoever I have to fight for this because this was, I, people need to hear this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, don't feel growth, don't fear growth guys. And again, as coaches, we're here because we want to help you wherever you are at on your journey, get to wherever you want to be. We want to see you succeed, not only in health, but also in life. And if you see it on a magazine cover, probably it's not going to be good. Just saying, like, you see it on TV. If you see it on a magazine cover, run the other way. There are better sources. And as always, if you like what you listened to today, take a screenshot of it, post your Instagram, tag us, and let us know what you liked. Let us know if you have any questions, comment, concerns, or other topics that you want us to cover, and we'll be sure to discuss them. We might even drag you on here to do it with us. Um, yeah. So thanks y'all for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Happy new year.